today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A lot of talk about uh, proof of vaccination and proof of vaccination apps. Different provinces have different protocols on this. Uh, and many uh, private companies are actually getting involved in this right now. Well, uh, one of the companies uh, called PortPass has uh, exposed personal information, including things like driver's licenses uh, and a number of other very personal items, uh, which is very concerning, as you might expect. CBC News did some uh, investigative reporting on this and actually was able to hack into the site uh, quite easily and said other members of the public could also do this. Uh, so how do you protect yourself? And, and, and for the company itself, what kind of precautions should they be taking? Uh, I want to bring uh, Tony Anscombe back into the conversation. Tony, of course, is Chief Security Evangelist with the ESET, an industry-leading IT security software company. Uh, Tony, great to have you back on the program. Great to have your expertise uh, on this. Are you surprised by this story? Any data breach is always shocking, Bill, especially when it has lots of personal information. I think in this instance, not just driver's licenses, as you mentioned, but also things like uh, blood grouping. Yeah, blood types, phone numbers, birthdays, photo ID, things of this nature, uh, a lot of information. I, I, frankly, I was surprised that much information was, was going to be available on that app, uh, but that's, I guess, was something the Port Pass has to come with. So. First of all, let's talk about what they should be doing in the way of protection. Uh, the understanding we got from the CBC store here, Tony, is that the, the information was not encrypted, so it could be viewed in simply plain text. Uh, what, what precautions and what things should they be doing to try to ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, firstly, it means that the person viewing it may well have been viewing it unencrypted, but what I mean by that is it may well have been encrypted at storage. So if, some, mm, okay. if somebody broke into Port Parsi systems, and tried to access it, it may well have been encrypted. But because somebody was maybe using a legitimate flaw in their system, that then you're seeing it unencrypted. Say they've used the pin to unlock your phone, then, then your phone is unencrypted. But if somebody steals your phone, your phone is encrypted. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. um, Port passes. I want to talk about the consumer in a second, but from Port Passes, uh, they, they first of all said this is only half for a couple of minutes, and CBC actually said no. It was we were doing this for more than an hour, going into different people's files, uh, and they brought they took the site down for a little while. Uh, you you got to figure there's some there's a hurried conversation here saying, okay, what are we going to do to protect ourselves here, and how can we put more security onto this? Now this is this is Port Pass. There there are going to be other, I would think, uh, private uh, sector companies that are going to be involved in this as more and more provinces and jurisdictions. Uh, move to this kind of proof of vaccination, Tony. As consumers, what should we be looking for to try to protect ourselves? Well, firstly, I think there's two things. One is if you be if you have uploaded your information to Port Pass and you think your data may well have been uh, breached, then you need to be on the lookout because if a cyber criminal has got hold of that data, so not just the the investigative reporter then look out for phishing emails and targeted emails, targeting information that you may well have handed over. So that's, that's point one, and make sure you're, you're securing that information uh, if it's gone elsewhere. So if you've used the same password somewhere else, go change passwords, etc. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest question I've got for me, and, and maybe it's the question for any consumer signing up to one of these things, there's information here that I don't, actually think is required to validate my vaccination. So, for example, my blood type is not part of a vaccination record. So why is Port Pass uh, asking for information that's actually potentially not needed? Uh, To me, the only thing that you actually need on a a valid vaccine passport is that my vaccine is within date, i.e. within the boundaries set down by public health, my name and my date of birth. 
and possibly the type of vaccination that I had, and I, that's only actually to me required when I travel. So I, uh, a third party country, yeah, if you're traveling internationally, can actually see that that vaccine is valid in their country as well. Yeah, I, I had the same reaction, Tony, when I saw this, like, blood types. Who's asking for blood types? All they want to know is whether you got the the poke, and that's really inconsequential. What about the data itself, though? And this is a conversation we've had in the past, and, and I think it's relevant here once again, uh, especially when you're dealing with a private company about this, and you're, you're giving information to them for whatever reason. Uh, where do they store this, and who has access to it? I mean, these are questions that uh, we automatically assume are being looked after by, by the company that's, that's running the portal. Can we... Is that, is that a, a naive assumption to suggest that, that that base has been covered? Well, one good thing is there's lots of privacy legislation in many countries in the world, including Canada, and that privacy legislation puts very strict limitations on how you collect personal data and how you store it and the risks around it. And those processes and procedures should be followed. And if they're followed correctly, you know, the data should actually be safe. I think in this instance what's happening is companies are trying to build applications quickly mm -hmm. to answer a demand. And when you build something quickly and it's not been fully tested, and then it goes live because there's, there's this pressing demand, you end up with software vulnerabilities, bugs and flaws. And you know, sim similar things were seen in the Quebec app where you could actually upload different information into the, the app. Now, they fixed this very, very quickly. But the problem is, is, is I think this relates back to how long have we known that the vaccine is on its way and why are we building these apps at the last minute? Surely didn't authorities understand nine months ago that you might actually need to know who's been vaccinated and who not? Yeah, that's why I was wondering, because I've seen that a couple of uh, uh, people that recorded in the story here suggesting, well, you know, they're just ironing out the bugs. Uh, first of all, if it's not market ready, it shouldn't be available to people. But secondly, your, your point's well taken. Uh, we've known for at least nine months now that this was coming, and there's probably going to be some proof of vaccination that was going to be needed. Uh, and and I, you can't rely on government. I mean, there's going to have to be some private sector involvement in this, isn't there, Tony? There may be private sector involvement, but I would prefer to see, in my, uh, and this is my own personal opinion, I would prefer to see an app endorsed by uh, an authority who's got oversight on that app and how that app is delivering data, holding data, and, and how it's being used. Uh, so I, a contract with a third party, as opposed to a third party seeing a commercial opportunity and building something that actually they're, got, they're hoping to make money from. Yeah, I know in this particular case and uh, with Port Pass, I know the province of Alberta, they were not endorsing it, and they certainly are not sponsoring this, but they they recommended it and say this is a pretty good opportunity for you to use this. Uh, I guess governments are going to have to be a little more uh, picky about exactly who they get behind. Uh, but I like your idea of saying, look, if you're going to do this, these are the standards. Uh, and, and, you know, if, within these parameters, and these, I don't necessarily know about federal contracts or provincial contracts or something like this, but you always worry about oversight. And, uh, and I'm not suggesting there's any nefarious characters here but uh you know if if they haven't covered all the dots and checked all the boxes to make this as secure as possible uh then you know we need to know about that i guess before going in i mean especially here in ontario tony because you know we're we're heading down the same road now in a, another couple of weeks we're supposed to be doing the same sort of thing now too and i think a lot of people are going to hear this story and say i'm not so sure i, I feel secure i'm not so sure that's safe there are other implementations of vaccine passports that do look and feel like they're secure. I was going to say there's no 100% guarantee because the no. flaws appear in all types of software. The best solution I've seen, Bill, is actually one from a pharmacy 
a supermarket pharmacy actually in the US where when somebody reads wants to validate your vaccination it actually sends the person who's vac who was vaccinated a text asking them for permission for somebody to have scanned their app so actually it stops fraud even down at the app level so i'm just saying that there are different software versions out there different solutions out there and some of them do look and feel very secure and that, that's an interesting twist on this. And there's, a, a, as you say, a private company that's kind of taken the initiative and understanding the concerns that are raised by this. Uh, because this is this is an issue that's not going to go away. I mean, as you mentioned, more and more jurisdictions are going to be doing this. The other question I've got, though, Tony, and you raised the, the fact that this is this is a global uh, problem that we're dealing with right now, but proof of vaccination. It's not just in Ontario or Alberta or Quebec or anyplace else. Uh, you know, we're going to be traveling. We're going to have people from other areas coming here, and, then, and they're going to have to show this as well. How do you, is it even possible to have some uniformity here to say, okay, the this is the way it should work and this is the way it should happen, uh, and whether you're going to be in, in the United States or Canada or the UK, uh, it's the same process and it's the same sort of app. Not necessarily necessarily the same provider, but the same parameters for everybody who's going to provide this. Absolutely. I think there needs to be some sort of international standardization of at least a minimum amount of information that's included in the app and how the app actually delivers that information to the person needing to see it. So governments do need to work together to verify or validate all these different solutions and that's why you need an in, what I define as an endorsed i.e. something that your government understands and is behind so that they can go and negotiate those uh, those agreements with, with other territories otherwise it does become a nightmare to actually start thinking about traveling you know, even for, for me if I travel across the US to another state you know, does that state recognize the, va uh, the vaccine app that I'm using and that's a question I guess we're going to have to come to grips with. And as you say, we're moving at, at such a rapid speed with some of these things that uh, the governments probably haven't thought of this, but hopefully the private sector and that store that you referenced in the States may actually serve as the, uh, the, the bellwether, the barometer for that way things should be done. Tony, always great. Uh, thank you for jumping in on this uh, to give us some, uh, some clarity on this issue. I know a lot of people are confused about how these things are going to work. And when you hear something like this, I know there's a certain amount of trepidation. But uh, as always, you've shone the light on this. I appreciate your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Bill. Take care. Tony Anscombe, Chief Security Evangelist for EST, uh, one of the leaders in IT security. And uh, like I say, that, that whole process is coming to Ontario in the next couple of weeks, uh, third week of October, I believe it is. And uh, hopefully they can learn from the mistakes that others are making in this. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.